All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11. Today we are talking about body image and intuitive eating. So what is this? Intuitive eating is developing trust with your body's natural cues for fullness and hunger. So you can intuitively make positive choices for a healthy body and an ideal nutritional state. We are honoring the information that is coming from within so you can eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, not eat because of stress, anger, sadness, any negative emotions or an overload of stress, not beat yourself up because you ate something quote unquote bad. Instead, you are eating what is good for your body. And we know from previous episodes of this podcast that that is different for everyone. Yeah. I love this topic. It's very near and dear to my heart. So I'm excited to jump into this. And 
I think something really important to think about when we're talking about intuitive eating and changing our diet is there is a big difference between doing a short-term therapeutic diet. So maybe you're doing AIP or low FODMAP or ketogenic, you know, these are all short-term therapeutic diets versus just a long-term healthy way of eating and not so much a diet, right? We kind of want to get away from that idea of we're always dieting, right? We just want to learn how to eat a healthy long-term plan. So once you find what works for you, and again, that is going to be different for everyone. So maybe for you, it is dairy-free forever. Maybe it's always low fat or high fat. Once you figure that out, then you can really tune into this intuitive eating that Lauren mentioned, and that's going to help you stick to the plan long-term. So just becoming really present and aware of the food you're eating and how it makes you feel. And yeah, I'm hoping we can help everyone with this really, really important topic today. Yeah, I don't know many people who have not needed to delve into this topic at some point in their lives. It's pretty prevalent, especially for women, but it does extend to men. And I think it's a huge, huge, huge component of figuring out how to have an ideal body and nutritional state. So we're going to go right into it. Let's not even waste any time. Why does this make you hotter? Today, we're going to talk about the gut-brain connection you have a brain in your gut. I know that sounds kind of weird, but your gut and your brain are very delicately connected. So your brain affects your gut health. Your gut affects your brain health. They are always talking to each other. And this is called the enteric nervous system. So that is a network of neurons and neurotransmitters that control and sense activity in the body and the brain. It's housed in the mucosal lining. Uh, it starts in the esophagus, stomach, and then down to the intestines. And we know that this is a real thing because I think all of us at one point or another have probably experienced having to run to the bathroom if we've been really nervous or anxious or something has scared us, maybe. That is the gut-brain connection. Yeah, it's so true, right? And we say, well, what's your gut feeling? You know, like there's so many terms that really show how connected the gut and brain are. And I, I mean, this is so true for me. And actually, this is crazy. So in... I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, I was having a lot of stomach issues, just really bad pain all the time. I just felt like uneasy a lot. And poor mom and dad, they drove me around to all these doctors. I ended up at like Johns Hopkins, you know, endoscopy, colonoscopy, ultrasound, all these different things. And they finally came back and were like, we think your daughter is just very anxious. Oh, wow. (laughs) There's nothing, there's nothing physically wrong with her. And um, so, yeah, they just kind of, through it to anxiety. So for me, it was, I think I was a very anxious kid. I don't know about dance and school and things. And so I always had this stomach pain from that. And even growing up, I've experienced that. Like if I had a big dance audition or interview or something, like I would always get horrible stomach pain. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's all connected. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think a lot of people have used that phrase for probably their entire life. Like your gut, what's going on in your gut? What do you feel? And haven't really understood the science behind it. So if you didn't know that, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yes, we're talking about all these. There's a lot of neurotransmitters, which if you don't know what neurotransmitters are, the basic ones are like serotonin, dopamine, like your feel-good hormones. Those are neurotransmitters, and that's the stuff that's produced in the gut. So if your gut is not healthy, you're probably not going to be happy, and your entire body is not going to be healthy. So Right. Yeah. That's like a major cause of depression, right? Just having gut issues. Yeah. Definitely don't overlook that. I mean, most of your serotonin, your happy hormones made in your gut. So can't be overlooked. So cool. 
Well, that sort of leads us to the gut microbiome. I think a lot of people, when we think of intuitive eating and trying to listen to our body or look to our body to give us cues on what to eat, how much to eat, and we all sort of feel really confused because of cravings and sort of like hormones that are dysfunctional, a lot of people think that it's a self-control issue and it's not really. So we're talking about the gut microbiome because this can manipulate eating behavior. So if you feel like, oh, I just, I can't, if I could only stop myself from eating that, like every time I give in, there may be something a little bit deeper than that. And that's what's going on in your gut. So there was this interesting article on PubMed. I'll link it in the show notes, but it talks about the microbiota and how they manipulate eating behavior to promote their own fitness. And I think they're using the term fitness to mean like being successful, right? Being strong, healthy, successful. So they're trying to be really healthy and successful inside of your gut and they are competing with one another. And they do this by generating cravings for foods that either suppress their competitors or they will induce dysphoria until we eat the foods that enhance our fitness. So they're in there like trying to control us to eat certain foods and it's, it's kind of behind, beyond our control. I'm kind of picturing like this CrossFit battle hunger games in the gut. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And donut. No. Eat the, yeah. I don't know. Eat the carrot. I'm not really sure what they're battling over, but. <laughs> well, and, and I always remember back to hearing Dave Asprey say this one time, you know, you're at the checkout line at the grocery store and you have the pint of ice cream on the conveyor belt thing. And, and your mind is saying, no, don't buy the ice cream, but there's thousands of bacteria in your gut saying, yes, buy the ice cream, buy the ice cream. And he's yeah. like, they're going to they're gonna win. They're, they are stronger than our willpower. So you yeah, because there them. are, when you're looking at microbial genes compared to human genes, it's 100 to one. That's nuts. 100 mi- microbial genes in the intestinal microbiome compared to our genes. So yeah, you're going to get overpowered. So those they m- run the world. <laughs> they do. I'm really excited that microbes, microbiome, microbial diversity, this is all becoming more of a hot topic these days because it's controlling more than we think. But so these microbes are hijacking your vagus nerve, which is the nerve that runs from the gut brain. Like Renee said, you can imagine a little CrossFit Games competition. And also in this PubMed article, they talked about how chocolate-desiring individuals have different microbial metabolites in their urine than chocolate-indifferent individuals. So for you, those of you in the audience that love chocolate and you feel like you just can't stop eating it, you're just constantly craving it, it's because of your gut. How weird is that? That's crazy. Okay. But the good thing, just to wrap this up, your microbiota are very easily manipulated by dietary changes. So that is excellent news. We can change this by just making positive changes. Yeah. So let's jump into how we do this. Number one is self-awareness. So we keep saying that like tuning in, using intuitive eating. So just really listening to your body, being a true biohacker and look for different cues. You know, are you really hungry? Are you full? Are you just tired or are you wired and stressed? Maybe you're not digesting your food that's making you more hungry. And then something else you can look at is, are there always specific foods you're craving? Like Lauren said, you know, with the chocolate, could be your gut. Something else we see is low magnesium. So we can always look at the minerals. You know, are you craving chocolate because of the magnesium deficiency? Are you craving salty foods like potato chips because of a sodium deficiency? Or is it a imbalance in sodium and potassium. You know, there's a lot of minerals that when they're out of balance, they again will cue your body to crave certain foods. So for me, like if I feel like I'm craving salt, 
I'll just take like a little dab of sea salt and put it on my tongue and it's gone. So I get the good like trace minerals from the natural sea salt and it cuts that craving. So all things we want to be like journaling and be aware of. Number two, eat real food. So the more you eat real food, the more your body's going to crave that real food. And I think everyone has experienced, you know, you can't have just one, right? If you have one cookie, your body then craves more of that. I mean, sugar is the ultimate drug. The more we have, the more we crave it. So when you get back to real food, you do start to crave it. And I've, I have really found with intuitive eating that there are some days where all I want is a green salad. I'm like, give me all the veggies. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. But then maybe the next day I'm like, where's that nice piece of steak? You know, I can feel in my body. I need like that protein and carnitine and CoQ10 and B12, like all those extra nutrients you get from meat, not vegetables. So being able to tune in and listen to what your body needs is, is unbelievable. Yeah. What do you get from French fries? Cause you know, the day after a salad, I'm like burger and fries. <laughs> Salt, fat. <laughs> yeah. I think a combination of it, but I think that the craving part really has to do with sugar is a huge component of that. I mean, there's so many studies about sugar being more powerful than cocaine. So that is real, but it's also the right. hormones and the GMOs that are in our food or they're, they're really just wrecking our metabolism. So the more you can cut out that crap, the more you can tune in. Yeah. Like you said, the, the crap, including artificial sweeteners, artificial flavoring, MSG, all this crap, it's, it's totally affecting our taste buds and our microbiome and it's making us crave the wrong foods. Mm-hmm. So, and please, yes, everyone out there, is real. yes, but please do not ever consume anything with the artificial sweeteners, aspartame and sucralose. They are just horrific in so many ways. So anything that's just like diet, whatever, probably is in there. So just please stay away from that. It's not worth it. Yeah. Number three, food diversity. So really just trying to mix up your diet, right? We don't want to be eating the same thing every day, eating the full color rainbow of vegetables, you know, just different foods. Because if you do eat the same thing every day, you're going to change your microbiome for the worse, right? The gut bacteria are going to get used to what you're always eating and they're going to change for that. So keeping a diverse diet, which is why, like I said before, you don't want to do these therapeutic diets like you know, low FODMAPs, low oxalate, et cetera. You don't want to do that long-term because we are seeing a negative impact on the microbiome. So yeah, always changing it up. in real quick. PubMed talked yeah. about how they were talking about diversity and highly diverse populations of the gut. So more microbes, your gut is then more likely to expend more energy. So that's a more efficient and faster running metabolism. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Nice. All right. Number four. So experiment and track. So this is right the biohacking way. So always be willing to change, you know, track what you're eating, track how you're feeling, be willing to just try different things. And maybe you do need to give up certain foods for a little bit or for a long term, but just always be open. Number five, really check in, be in tune with your body. How does this food make you feel? Are you bloated? Are you tired? Do you have a headache after you eat this? All things to be aware of. I know when I ask clients to start doing a food diary and ask them to write their feelings, they're like, what do you mean? I don't know. I'm excited (laughs) to eat. And then like after a week or two, it's like bloated, thirsty. I don't know. Kind of tired. Like the emotions really just start to pile on. It just takes like tuning in just a little bit. And suddenly they're like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed with thoughts and feelings. And now like my body's talking to me. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And like you said, even like the emotions of it, I think maybe sidetracked for just a minute is, you know, when you eat that ice cream, are you then full of guilt? Yeah. Or are you like, 
Or are you like, man, that was amazing. And I loved every second of it. So being able to change our mindset. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but just, yeah, that emotion around the food is incredibly important. So tune into that, how things are making you feel, you know, emotionally, mentally, all that good stuff. I'd love to do an episode just about guilt. So I think that's really powerful. The guilt that having yeah. negative feelings towards your food can actually make you fat. Yeah. And I think I'll share a little bit more about that today because I just love that topic. So to wrap it up, the final thing with you know how to really do this, when you do feel hungry, again, is it actual hunger? Sometimes you're just thirsty. Sometimes you're just tired or stressed. So Bored. Bored, yeah. Oh so if you're reaching for food, maybe just take a second and say, hmm, what's really going on? Maybe I should just drink a glass of water and see how I feel. Maybe I'll go for a five minute walk and see, was it really just that I was stressed and reaching for something quick? So just take a few minutes to tune in and say, what's really going on here? Like for me, I, I definitely find when I'm tired, I'm reaching for more carbs. Like it's a clear connection. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm optimizing my sleep and prioritizing my sleep because it just makes my whole day of eating so much easier. Cool. Yeah. And so just, you know, try and follow this list. It definitely takes time to get used to this. I think personally, it took me years to really learn how to tune in. But when you do, you'll, I think it's kind of fun. You'll, you'll start to learn a lot about your body and it's pretty fascinating. So who is this for? Everyone, <laughs> but more specifically, <laughs> I think anyone that feels confused about what to eat, if you try to follow a diet and, and that doesn't work, and then you turn to the next one, if you're just constantly frustrated with food and you feel overwhelmed when you look on the internet for nutrition plans, this is for you. It's also, especially for anyone that turns to food to cope with emotional stress or negative emotions, and sometimes that does take some tuning in like Renee just talked about. You have one more, Renee. I know you had, you wanted to add to that. Yeah. I just wanted to add this. I think a whole nother category is people dealing with orthorexia, which in case you're not familiar with that term, it's actually just someone that has an obsessive behavior in pursuit of a healthy diet. So you probably heard of like anorexia. That's where they're just restricting calories, you know, being very obsessive with that. But this obsessive behavior is really happening a lot nowadays, you know, where they get really ingrained in like, I have to be strict paleo or keto. Like I can't socialize with people anymore because it's too risky to go out. Oh, it's awful. Not a way to live. Yeah. And, and I've met a lot of people in the industry that usually because they had a health issue that took them down this path, but they're like, well, no, I can't go to that restaurant because of this food or because of that, you know, it's like too much temptation. So they, I feel like they stopped living as dramatic as that may be sounds, you know, we just don't want to go too crazy with, with the healthy eating. You have to find the balance of what makes you feel good and makes you still be allowed to leave your house and socialize with people. (laughs) Yeah. We want you to enjoy your life. You have one life to live. You should have fun and not be stressed. And I'm just imagining people with orthorexia, like those stress chemicals are going through the roof and the cortisol, and then they're just storing fat because of the stress. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. I mean, all the stress hormones are going to negate any benefit of that green juice that you traveled a hundred miles to find, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to add one other category to that list of who it's for. I think there's a lot of people that maybe eat really well when they're on a good day or a good couple of weeks, a good couple of months, and then something happens like a traumatic experience I'll just leave that as a a very vague term, but something happens and they get triggered and then they quote unquote fall off the wagon. People will say like, I was good until this happened. 
And we want to help you get through that that trigger, that transition. So you can always stay on those healthy habits. Nothing's going to push you off the wagon because you're always listening and tuning into your body no matter what. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, it's I could retire. But yeah, you got to learn how to get through those stressful situations so it doesn't throw you off for six months and then you come come back to trying to fix everything. Yeah. So what's your experience, Renee? I want to hear your story in relation to this. Yeah. I mean, so I said, this is definitely a topic near and dear to my heart with my battle with an eating disorder for 10 years. So how this journey really started, the the newest journey, I'll say right after college, dad actually mailed me a CD. Yes. A good old CD that you put in your car and (laughs) listen to. And it was by Mark David. Uh, I had never heard of him at the time, and he is actually the founder of the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. If you have not heard of this, I highly recommend looking up the website immediately. Also, his book, The Slow Down Diet, it's like the one nutrition book I have found that does not tell you at all what to eat. Like, it doesn't even talk about which foods are good and bad. It's just everything else surrounding a healthy life of finding how you should be eating long term. But anyway, so I'm listening to the CD, and he's talking about how your emotions and guilt around a food can affect your weight and health. He's like, if you think the cookie is going to make you fat, it will make you fat. I'm like, what? What is he talking about? I've never heard this. Yeah. And like, and, and I even thought back to, have you ever had a friend that says, oh, if I look at that cupcake, I'll gain five pounds. Have you ever well, had, had someone say that? Yeah. Like, maybe that's true. Truth. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it, God, you're again, your thoughts and your words are so powerful. So just hearing that out loud, like makes me a little stressed. I'm like, well, you just sealed the deal there. Right. Right. It's all about the hormones. So, so yeah, that was like the first time I had really heard of this concept and you know, I'm always working on that. Right. But I like last night I had a couple bites of ice cream and it was amazing. I enjoyed every bite of it and I have no regrets. So I think just getting to that point where you can eat some of these you know, maybe a little more luxurious extra foods, but not feel bad about it. Really just enjoy it and and not have any guilt around it. So anyways, that was the beginning of that journey. But uh, like I said, I highly recommend his book. You know, he talks about tips with, you know, just eating slower, reducing your stress, even mentions like the French paradox, right? Where there was all this research on like, why are French people so thin? They're eating high fat, you know, cheese and fries, and they're drinking wine with lunch every day. Like, why are they so thin? And a lot of people were actually just attributing it to, they take really long lunches. They'll sit there for like two hours and they socialize and they chew their food and they enjoy every minute of it. So it really went back to that whole stress state. And that's cool. And I think also just to mention like a little bit about, you know, body image for, I think all women struggle with this a little bit, right? We all want to look and feel our best, but just don't get hung up with the scale, right? I don't want you to be weighing yourself every day or every week. It's not about the number. I think it's more important how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Don't get tied to the scale. I think that's a bad habit to get into, but I think it's also a very hard habit to break. I have a lot of clients that- yeah. I say just don't spreading out the time, like not doing it every single day, but maybe you have the same day a week, once a week that you do it because people like the accountability. Right. Yeah. I think maybe like every Sunday, my other recommendation to people is like, don't have the scale at home. Maybe have it at your gym or your doctor's office, like wherever you can go, maybe once a week or so to tune into that. But I think when you're doing it every day, you're going to drive yourself crazy. 
But the whole body image thing, I just wanted to say one more thing is I think as a culture, it's getting better today. I think when we were teenagers, it was worse. I mean, now you see, you know, the plus size models that like late nineties, you never saw that. So I think we're going in the right direction, but as a reminder, I don't, we don't want to go too extreme the other way where it's like, yes, we want to be happy in our body and healthy and confident, but being obese is not healthy. Like that's great if you can feel comfortable in your skin, but remember being obese comes with all these comorbidities. I mean, we're looking at heart disease, you know, all cardiovascular issues, dementia, diabetes, like these are, these are not healthy things. So just keeping a balance of that. And this was such a great point, Renee. It used to bother me. I first saw all of like plus size models all over the place and people were really praising them. And I think it's amazing, like the confidence and getting rid of the body shame. We need to praise and accept that, but there is like a middle ground. We have to know what's healthy. So I think I agree. I think we're going in the right direction, but it's it's still hard because we're living in a a time where everything is marketed and advertised on social media. Everyone's using Facetune. Nothing is real. It's really difficult to decipher, but yeah. Things just finding their balance. Right path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so one more thing about that is this was kind of weird, but I bought a workout shirt online the other day and I had to return it because the extra, extra small was huge. No. So that's the other thing we're seeing is like clothing lines are changing their sizes, I think, to help with the confidence. But like, you know, don't forget about me. <laughs> like, that's, I sound so That's selfish. so unfair. No, you're a tiny person, but like you deserve to, to shop where everyone else shops. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, do I have to shop in the kids section? I mean, and I kind of joked when I returned it, I was like, do you all have an extra, extra, extra small? And she was like, no, we don't make that. I'm like, I'm kidding, but thank you. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah, that's not healthy. It's really not. Yeah. It's all about balance. Anyways, sorry, my rambling is done. Lauren, what about you? How did you oh, kind of so explore good. this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, years of practice, like you as well. I was a disaster in college. I went to school for dance and I had to be in a leotard and tights every single day, right in front of the mirror in clear day- mm. daylight. And it was just awful. And I think, I think everyone in my class had some sort of eating disorder is pretty bad. I'm not going to How could you that. not with yeah. that? Yeah. So oh. hard. Oh God, I really don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I remember going to the cafeteria and I would get the same thing every day. Talk about like no microbial diversity. I would eat plain tuna and like carrots every day. And then, oh gosh, (gasps) so terrible. I had one day I just like binge, but there was no intuition there. I wasn't listening to my body. I was just, I made a decision about this is what's going to keep me skinny and I'm not going to listen to any internal or really external factors. It was just, I'm sticking to this plan no matter what. And I was so right. It was Counting the calories, measuring yeah. it out. Yeah. So it was years of practice. I talked about starting a paleo diet on a previous episode. I feel like that was sort of a turning point for me that really helped kickstart this journey. And it probably was because I was eating real food and I cut out the crap. I cut out the sugar, processed foods, gluten, And that helped me get away from cravings and stress eating. And I didn't even really think about it. I was just so focused on eating really clean, nutrient-rich food. And I naturally just sort of stopped eating the other stuff. So I think that's a good point to bring up also is like focusing on positive things, adding positives instead of just focusing on the negatives or what you're missing. So I sort of naturally got away from the stress eating. I started making choices based off of how I truly felt inside. So 
we started off this episode by saying eat more real food. And I truly believe, at least for me, that stuff sort of melted away. Another thing was meditation really was powerful for me. And it wasn't even a conscious thought. Simply adding a meditation practice into my day allowed me to be more in tune with my my heart and my gut, right? Listen to your gut. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with food at the time. That was not the purpose. But by listening to my inner wisdom and being really attuned to the signals and feelings from my body in the meditation, that sort of naturally transferred to my habits surrounding food. So it's amazing because I, all through college, it was like, oh, just like fighting, like hitting a wall, like trying so hard, trying all these different diets, like just making myself miserable. And when I changed my focus, the paleo diet and meditation, I think changed everything for me. And I wasn't even really yeah. trying that hard anymore. So now I eat on an intermittent keto cycling schedule, which includes a carb day. And yeah, that is a schedule, but it's very loose. Like I don't have the same schedule every week. And because now I'm an intuitive eater, I sort of change up that carb day because I found like, I think when I started that, I was like, every Sunday is going to be a carb day. That's my day to like go to brunch and just sort of eat a little more freely with the carbs. But it didn't work because some days I would wake up on Sunday and I just wasn't feeling it. So mm -hmm. that's been fun to just sort of listen to my body and I let it happen when it's supposed to happen. And I promise you this was not planned, but it's what day? It's a Wednesday, middle of the week, which is generally not a carb day for me. But I woke up this morning, I was like, carb day. And it's funny <laughs> that we're talking about it now, but I made pancakes this morning because I don't know. That's it was, awesome. It was the day. <laughs> That's funny because that, you're the opposite of me. Today I woke up and was like, I clearly had too many carbs last night. I, all I wanted was like a fat coffee this morning. So my coffee with like MCT oil and all that good stuff. I so, love yeah. that. Just got to listen. It's incredible. Yeah. But it really took a lot of time. This is like a long journey, but I promise yeah. that if you start to employ those how-tos that we went through earlier, it will come. It will come. And we are here for any of you that want a little more specific help. If you need one-on-one -on -one attention, we can help you through this. Absolutely. I think that's great. Okay. So the debate controversy surrounding this is dieting will make you happy. People think once you lose the weight, you're going to be happy. Everything, all of your cares will melt away in the world, right? But dieting mm -hmm. and restricting food is going to strip the pleasure and happiness away from food and eating. And like Renee mentioned earlier, the French, like they really enjoy their food. That's social, that's cultural, and it should be. It's, a, it's the way that we have an experienced community in our lives. Like we should be able to enjoy food and have happiness surrounding that structure. So I think the point of me introducing this is that it does not have to be negative. It doesn't have to be stressful. There is a way to have a positive relationship with food. And we acknowledge that it's difficult and it takes time. But if you feel like I just can't control myself, that'll never happen. Go back and listen to the science part again, that a lot of it is your gut health, your gut microbiome. And there are like scientific ways that we can actually change that to get this process kickstarted. Anything to add there, Renee? Yeah, I, I think that is also important and just avoiding the idea of like restricting your diet. I think the more you say, I'm not going to have that, the more your brain's going to think about it. And then like you had shared with your journey, then it's just like this constant battle. Like you're hitting your head against the wall. Right. Um, so yeah, just really learning about this 
healthy relationship with your food and, and make it enjoyable. Yeah, that's an amazing point, Renee. I, I know I've experienced that when I've said like, oh, I'm not going to eat chocolate. Then all I think about is chocolate. It's just so impossible for me to not think about chocolate. I think our brains are wired that way to focus on the thing that we're focused on, right? It's, it's Yeah, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, which is why redirecting your focus on something like the paleo diet, and I'm not saying that that's for everyone. It worked for me, but that's sort of one way in which you can redirect. Yeah, focusing on the foods you can have. Yeah. Cool. I feel like I had one other thing to say, but it escaped my brain. Favorite hacks. We have a lot, but (laughs) Renee, what's your favorite one? Let's do this pick one again. Yeah. If I have to pick one, it would be this awesome, simple, free thing. Take five deep breaths before every meal. No, that's mine. (laughs) I have the same one. You shouldn't have let me go first. <laughs> All right, we'll have to swap one. next time. Yeah, no, I love this. Just when you sit down with the food in front of you, close your eyes. You know, if you pray, meditate, whatever works for you, you know, but I think just five deep breaths and that switches you into that parasympathetic state. So we're getting out of that par- uh, sympathetic fight or flight into parasympathetic rest and digest state. And it's just cueing your body like, hey, we're going to have this awesome meal. It's going to taste amazing and we're going to digest it. So just again, something so simple, like taking deep breaths that I'm doing as I speak. Just keep that in mind. It's something so so easy everyone can do before every meal. Yeah. Well, digestion starts in your brain and your mind, right? And then it goes from the brain, mind, thoughts to your mouth where you start producing saliva and those digestive enzymes. Like it's a whole process. And I think a lot of people run to the table, they pick up their fork before they're barely even sitting in the chair or you're standing up and eating, which I think is the absolute worst. Like if you don't have time to sit down, like don't bother. And please don't eat while you're driving. (laughs) I know. such a stressful state. Such a stressful state. Yeah. If you're stressed, do not eat. Take a breath, even if it's just (laughs) one minute, five minutes calm yourself down because your food will be metabolized completely differently than when you're stressed. So awesome. That's (laughs) number one favorite hack. So let's go through the rest of these that we both love. Increase meal times if you can. I have a lot of clients that say they can wolf down their dinner in five minutes, which is Mm. crazy. I don't know how that's physically possible, but they're obviously not chewing, breathing. So if you can, if you're at five minutes now, slowly over one week, try to increase it to 10 and then see if you can increase it to 15. And then I don't know, see if you can sit there like the French and eat for two hours. If, if you have the time, who has that time, but that chew your good. food thoroughly. Like we said, digestive enzymes start in the mouth. You should chew at least 30 times before swallowing. That gives all of those processes time to do what they need to do. Yeah. Like you said, all these very digestive enzymes are released when food is in your mouth. So if you're not chewing properly, you're bypassing that whole first part of digestion. And, you know, I think grandma is onto something. Takes her like an hour to eat a meal. So (laughs) she chews a lot. Yeah. Very important. Always trying to eat like grandma. Yes. (laughs) So no TV, reading, distractions, anything in that category while you're eating. Oh, that's a hard one. I I can't tell people to avoid watching TV completely, but you really should be tuned into your food and what's going into your body. And if you are going to watch TV, maybe something funny or a little bit lighter. Don't watch like the 6 p.m. news about all the horrible things happening. Or Game of Thrones, but we're done yeah. with that, right? So 
Yeah. Yeah. Just try to take time to yourself and, or eat with somebody. Meals are always better with someone else. And I think that that inherently will slow you down. Oh, yeah. And if you I look jumped at- ahead, that was number four. <laughs> Enjoy good company. Oh yeah. Look at that. It comes natural. Yeah. And if you look at the blue zones around the world, which is where there's a lot of people living to, you know, over 90 or a hundred years old, they all eat their meals in a really great social environment. So yeah, another perk there. (laughs) Cool. So just to wrap this up, I know we're all busy and stressed and it can be really hard to listen to internal cues and messages from our body because we like just don't have time. So that leads us to skip meals, overeat, eat foods that trigger distress and inflammation, all these things that make us fat, sick, and tired. And we're so out of tune with what our body really needs. So the first thing you can do is just slow down, hit the pause button, take more time to do everything surrounding food listen, observe what is happening in your body. And eventually your body will start talking to you your body's going to let you know what's right. So if you have any questions about this, you can DM us on Instagram or email us at the biohacker babes. We could talk all day about this, but we are here for you. If you need any help, Renee, do we have any questions? Yeah, I have a great one here. So she said, I've had issues with negative self-talk and body image for years, and it's resulted in many years of crash dieting, which ultimately doesn't work. How can I overcome this and learn to eat a healthy diet without becoming obsessive? I think we I, covered that, but let's yeah. wrap it up and let's make it. Let's make a cute little package so we can- visit. Yeah, I think, yeah, back to what we said before, you know, really working to find what diet works best for you, tuning into how you feel- slowing down when you eat, really enjoy your food, remove the guilt, look at your your gut, right? We're looking at the gut microbiome, looking at micronutrient deficiencies and just checking in, right? Are you really hungry? Are you tired? Are you stressed? All those factors we talked about. So yeah, I think that's just kind of wrapping up the whole episode. I'm hoping that that helps with that. And in the body image, I think we kind of touched on that too. You know, don't get obsessive with the weight, really just try and tune in to see where you feel your best, your healthiest, your most confident self. Yeah. Go back and listen to our episode about food, the lab testing, find out if you have any allergies, sensitivities, just start cleaning out the crap. I think that's the easiest way to get started. So it's not so stuck in the front of your mind, trying to make this change so obsessively, just start cutting out the crap, find out what works for you and your gut. And then you can sort of get into the emotional stuff a little bit deeper. But yeah, I'd say the testing and then just taking time to eat your food, just slowing down and and starting to ask your body those questions. That's great. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Our next episode, we're going to talk about pre and post-workout nutrition. We've had a lot of questions about this. I'm sure you're all, you know, holding your breath, right? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. If you have more, we're always accepting questions. So just DM us or email us at biohackerbabes at gmail.com. We are so happy to have you here with us. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. See you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.